Welcome to Jungle Land, the leading Idaho State University sports podcast. I am McLean Westbrook. That's Gage Westbrook. Yes, sir. And uh, we are again joined by none other than Brendan Muche. All right, what's up? And Franklin Spicer. <laughs> what up? So we are we're going with the four man crew again this week. Um, not because one of us was at the game and the others weren't, but we all were not at the game because it was in Hillsboro, Oregon. Um, but we, that game, as a matter of fact, was our third one of the season, our second one in a row for the first time since 2018, and our first road win since spring 2021. So it's been a minute, and I know it's it's been a couple days since the game. We were excited watching it on Saturday. A lot of emotions coming off that. But man, we're uh, it, it really does feel like uh, Cody Hawkins might be the guy for this program. Already had three wins. We've tripled our win total from last year. You know, he's uh, he's been popping off. That's all I can say. I mean, he's a. Uh, I could speak from firsthand experience that at least the culture around football, not just like on campus, but like the players themselves, like, has been huge. Like talking in class today, I brought this up to you guys earlier. I asked, like, "Are you ready for Sacramento State this weekend?" And they're like. To a yeah. football player. Yeah. He uh, was hopeful and said that they they feel confident in going down there and giving Sacramento State a run for their money. So, I mean, that alone is a change in, in uh, the way they act. Yeah, and uh, we're, we'll talk about the game in a little bit, but this, uh, I, I said on Twitter, I don't know if that was on the Jungle account or my own personal account, but I said on Twitter uh, earlier this week that this game against Sacramento, number six ranked Sacramento, I believe, is probably the biggest game in ISU football, at least for the past five years. Probably more than that, I'd say. And that sounds a little that sounds dramatic and all, but I, I think it's not even that far of a stretch when you look at the last couple seasons for this program and where we're at right now. Guys, we talked about last week. We brought up the possibility of playoffs and the Big Sky Championship and stuff, and that's still kind of far far fetched a little bit. That's still a lot of work to get to that point this season, but. The Bengals did what they needed to do this last weekend on Saturday. They took care of business against Portland State. And Portland State, like we talked about, not no slouch in the conference. They 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 had three wins this this year. Uh they were 3 and 3 going into this game and certainly not a powerhouse, I would say, but respectfully they are they are a decent team in the Big Sky. I, yeah, I think um I think preseason Portland State definitely had expectations about um, you know, making some noise in the conference and potentially making the playoffs, um, and I think it speaks to the the quality of a rebuild that has been in only, you know, since January. It's now October. In ten months, we're enthusiastic about Idaho State football again. And that's the one of the quickest turnarounds I've ever seen for a football team, and the fact that it happened at Idaho State in Pocatello, Idaho, it just speaks to the. Quality of coaching that I think uh, Cody Hawkins is bringing to the team, but you can't you can't say that with also without also recognizing how much the players are putting in and how the players how much they're contributing to the turnaround of this football team. Uh, because I mean we could have as many Cody Hawkins as we want, but we also need a Jaden James and a Jordan Cook. Well, I really do feel like for the last season or two or three, this team has had players like. The the team has has had like a lot of talent on it. Our receiving room is good. Uh, we we have still had some solid quarterback play here and there. I mean, Hunter Hayes has been on the team for a few years now, but I, I feel like it really did. And the defensive guys on 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 the line, they can make some big plays. And in the uh, Calvin Pitcher, all the guys on on the defense have been good. We've had the players and some of the talent. I think it really does take a coach to kind of bring everybody together. And that's Hawkins has said that before. It's like. Uh, he said something along the lines in our interview that if he wants to turn the the program around, he's going to be like the least important person in that process. His job is just to kind of get everybody moving in the same direction, moving on the right page. Yeah, and and you know setting the tone and the culture um, is a crucial role, um, and being the spearhead for that on your team is is vastly important. And you can't you can't do that by yourself. And I think that you know Coach Hawkins. Um, not only him, uh, Josh Runa as their defensive coordinator, um, a couple of veteran guys like Calvin Pitcher, like Hunter Hayes, they've they've all come together and they've built an incredible culture around having fun, playing competitive football, 
uh, and throwing the ball a lot. Yeah, and so obviously still only at three wins, ranked number four in the Big Sky. That that tied for number two. That's no, it's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, so there's still a long way for this team to go to truly be a competitor. I think, or at least to consistently be a competitor and be seen as a competitor on the on a wide scale. But we're gonna say a lot of things about the team this episode. We're gonna be excited and stuff because this is the best ISU football has looked in a long time. And it's fun to watch the Bengals again. Um, I was talking to Brian Marceau of the Tubbs at the Club podcast, and he said uh, he had kind of a similar feeling when Jason Eck came in and made the Vandals good, is that he didn't have to watch his team ironically anymore. Uh, so, Are like, the Vandals actually good, though? <laughs> I, I don't I, think I'm, so, buddy. I'm safe I don't with saying so, that buddy. the Vandals are not prods. They are a very good football The team. Vandals, at the very least, are okay. We know but that. But I think Idaho <laughs> State is getting closer and closer we're, hey, hey, to we're being improving. able to compete in the Battle of the Domes. We're improving. When Jason Eck came in, uh, the Vandals were, went to the playoffs last year in his first year, and they beat Montana and stuff, but they only had a three-win improvement. From the year before Eck was there. And so far, Hawkins is well on his way to a three-win improvement. We just have to get one more win, and that will be a three-win improvement on the year. Um, but uh, I don't know. Start talking about Idaho again. Uh, but for Idaho State, um, it, like I said, it's fun to watch the Bengals again. And it, like every game this year, except maybe Utah State and Northern Iowa, they've mm-hmm. been fun games to watch. And so we, we're all on Saturday. We're all over at Franklin's apartment, and we're watching the game. Just like you do with, with your college football team. You get together with your buddies and watch the game. It's not an experience I've had before with ISU. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was fun to watch the game, too, because, like, they were they were rolling. Like, they their defense was making plays, stops. Uh, their offense was going down the field, playing how they should. And uh, it was actually just a fun game. Was it too stressful? I mean, we were leading most of the game. That that I mean led to a pretty relaxed, fun yeah game to watch. So ISU wins 38-24 by fourteen points. It didn't really feel even that close. Like you said, not yeah. stressful. And I think that's because you had Idaho State went went up by two touchdowns. Portland State had to come back. They tied the game. Then we went up by another two touchdowns. They had to come back from that, and then we just we pulled away at the end. So while there were points where it was tied, uh, I think Idaho State controlled that game wire to wire. Um, oh, yeah. We really forced Portland State to try to answer our explosive offense, an offense that can create points at any opportunity and can move the ball effectively, which, again, these are all new things that I've said about Idaho State. I have not been saying these things about Idaho State for a while, but this is a team that is subverting expectations. They're playing well. They're playing better than anybody was going to give them credit for at the start of the season, myself included. Um, and I think that we're now in a position where we're forcing other teams to try to compete with us and try to do what we do. I think that's not only an impressive turnaround, but I think the state of the union for Idaho State football is a good one. Yeah. And, I mean, McLean said this at the at uh, watching the game. Uh, like, you're not used to saying that we're in control of a game. You're, it's such a weird feeling to have, especially as an Idaho State fan. So yeah, it was. I mean, not as sloppy, but it was kind of reminiscent of that Northern Colorado game at homecoming. We go up fourteen, they tie it up, go up by fourteen again, and just kind of lead the rest of the way. Yeah, and at no point during the game did I feel like that we were like out of it, or Portland State even had a chance. I mean, even when we tied, but. Like coming off the first play, I don't even think we let them hit a first down. We yeah. stopped them right away, mm-hmm. despite all the things and horrors that we were thinking of <laughs> before the before the game, like this last week about them running, running through our defense. And yeah, and like that. Hawkins got asked a lot about the Hawkins and the team. They brought up the idea of an emotional letdown after that win against Eastern Washington, and so I was a little bit nervous. I I knew. ISU could win this game, but I was nervous. We're not going to go up there and face plant or anything like that. So I was glad that didn't happen. Uh, game starts, and we're very excited because ISU quickly moves down the field, scores a touchdown on a Jordan Cook little short run, uh, stop Portland State on defense. I think it was a three and out or something, and then get the ball right back and go right back down the field. And uh, Jaden James catches a touchdown pass from Cook. Suddenly we're up 14-0, and it's not looking like Portland State – can do much of anything. Yeah, and I think I think something that I noticed early on and something that remained true for the rest of the game, we did not make very many mistakes at all. 
And I think no, it's something that, you know, again, in our wins, you know, d- during this season, um, especially the Eastern Washington game, we kind of had to scramble a little bit at the end and try to make up for mistakes we made throughout the game. We didn't have to do that. Um, we never t- we didn't turn the ball over at all. We only had four penalties for 50 yards. Um, we just we played mistake free football. We played clean fundamental football. Um, we ran the ball well, which is not something we've done in the past. Now, it was an unconventional run game because 93 of our rushing guards were by Hunter Hayes on, you know, quarterback draws. Hey, what a day scrambles. he had! Hunter Hayes Absolutely. again. This is a further development of a two quarterback system where we have two number one quarterbacks who are good at different things, and so we maximize our ability to use those quarterbacks, and we maximize their skill sets when we need to do different things with the football. So, again, an absolute master class on using two quarterbacks. Like I said last week, usually when you play two quarterbacks, it means you have no quarterbacks. When we play two quarterbacks, it means we have two number one quarterbacks who need to see the field at some point in the game for our team to be successful. There was a moment there, in I think in the third quarter, where we switch out Cook for Hayes, and offense kind of stalls out there for a little bit. But then, like, next series, Hayes has a touchdown run. So it's like, oh, no, it's okay. Um, so, like you said, Gage, very efficient game. Cook ends up going 16 of 25 for 259 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, uh, two sacks. Hayes goes 5 for 7, 38 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but also gains, nine, like you said, gains 94 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Uh, we finally technically won the turnover battle. Because we didn't turn the ball over, and Portland State had one interception. It was kind of at the end of the game with a couple minutes left, so it didn't necessarily make a big impact, Though, although Portland State was getting ready to score towards the end of the game there. But we ended up stopping them. So just an all-around very efficient game. Um, well, and, did you say and, we've only, we were only sacked twice during the game? Yeah, Cook had and, and two I, sacks on the statute. And a, a good performance by our, our offensive line then, because you know something we struggled with. And something that's been an issue for this team is offensive line depth and yeah. quarterback hurries, pressure sacks. I do think Cook also showed a lot more mobility, too. He, yeah. he was moving around there, making some throws on the run. And also, I'm glad to say I was wrong that, you know, Portland State, their <laughs> offense was shut down mostly. Or maybe uh, you were right and we're just really, really good. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But they were. They did not look as good as I thought they were going to that yeah. game. Uh, either that's our phenomenal defense, which... I mean, we do have a f- fairly solid pass defense, and the part that shocked me is Portland State threw more passes than we did at that game. Yeah, that's, we run a three-three-five. That almost looks like a misprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and uh, they still had somehow less passing yards than us, but uh, we were moving the ball. That's all I can say. And they could not, for some reason, run the ball against us. They tried going through the air, and they just seemed to fail there too. Yeah, so. it's crazy to think that we ran a three-three-five, and we were. Forcing the pass on a team that doesn't mm-hmm. really do that, that. was a yeah. very encouraging had, thing to we see. We had a good defensive line game. I know Roe at the end of the game had two sacks, uh, two big sacks. Um, and, you know, I was I was a little surprised Portland State wasn't able to draw off the energy of their massive turnout uh, in the crowd. Uh, <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. Okay, so I did, I did look it up. Um, so I, I think we mentioned this last week, but uh, Portland State plays at Hillsborough Stadium. Which is in Hillsborough, Oregon, not Portland, Oregon. About twenty miles west. I don't know what all goes along with the with the decisions made at Portland State's athletic program. I don't know why they play there. Uh, So Hillsborough Stadium has a capacity, according to Google, of seven thousand six hundred. This game had an attendance of two thousand one hundred seventy-four, and I think it's valid to say at least a good number of those were Bengal fans. Oh yeah, yeah, a large portion of them were. So, like I said, ISU ISU goes up 14-0 here in the first quarter, and I think this this is a runaway. This is going to be a blowout. Is ISU going to just just boat race Portland oh, State? Yeah, yeah. For the first like five minutes of the game, I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is going to be a blowout. We're going to walk in there, run their stuff, and uh, we're going to leave feeling high and mighty." Didn't but. quite go that way. So Portland State. Uh, They kind of find their footing on offense and defense. They end up scoring uh, before the end of the first quarter, and then they uh, score on a long touchdown pass uh, to tie it up 14-14. And that's when when we start thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Yeah, and I I remember remember, 
um, driving around checking the score of the game um, when it was 14-0. to zero. And, you know, whenever I check the score of an Idaho State game that I'm not watching, I have a terrible habit of expecting the worst. It's a little scary. And so when I saw 14-0, I was like, oh, man, Portland State's running away with it. Then I double-take my phone. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I immediately turn on KISU um, and start listening to the game. And that's when Portland State ties the game up with two touchdowns. So I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't listen to this at all. Yeah, um, but then um, ISU scores on a Hunter Hayes short touchdown run uh, and then another uh, run to, to go up uh, 28-14. And then uh, Portland State ends up getting a, a field goal towards the end of the first half. So you go into the locker room up 28-17. I'm like, okay, feeling a lot better. I think we got it. I think we're okay. And then um, Portland State ends up getting a touchdown run to make it 28-24. Even then, though, even the only the four-point difference, I didn't really – I wasn't nervous. I, I felt pretty good about the offense. I just figured the defense needs to stop them again, and they did. They didn't score again. So, Hunter Hayes, uh, this is this was uh, the the coolest, probably the play of the game. I'd say uh, towards the early fourth quarter, um, they uh, ter- towards the early fourth quarter, Hunter Hayes is in at quarterback, and he has this thirty-seven yard touchdown run to make it thirty-five twenty-four. Uh, there's still thirteen minutes left in the game. But I kind of I, I remember saying when he scored that touchdown, Hunter Hayes called game, and uh, it kind of was. Uh, so we end up scoring another field goal, but that but that was it basically. Um, and and like we said, uh, it was just a comfortable game. Not really nervous about it. Wasn't a blowout, but it definitely was a ha- like it was a. A win that never felt like Portland State had a chance. A one-sided game. It, well, I wouldn't call it completely one-sided, but it definitely felt like if we, you're looking at the ESPN uh, winning percentage tracker, it was solidly an ISU for for most of the game. Almost the whole game. Yeah, so I, I felt really good about that, especially, like I said, you mentioned coming off the Eastern Washington game, uh, and, and we talked about it last week. ISU basically has to run the table to get into the playoffs. It's like we we have to if we're if we're trying to prove that this is a different ISU team we've got to beat teams like Portland State the the most yep. winnable game on the schedule arguably maybe Weber I don't know but you got to be able to at least beat them and we beat them by fourteen so no complaints here no none uh, I would just like to point out before we like transition at all but like Cody Hawkins. Definitely front runner for coach of the year. Oh, I think so. Um, I don't. I don't know who else in the Big Sky you'd give it to. Um, I I do think records are still important when it comes to things like coach of the year and stuff. So ISU does need to win games for him to be coach of the year. <coughs> but already uh, the improvement has been so drastic. I think you can make the case for coach of the year. Um, maybe even with only four wins. But um, if we win two more games, I, I feel like he's. It's if he doesn't chance. get coach of the year, it's a robbery. I don't think he cares particularly about getting coach of the year. Based I don't the, think based off the personality I've seen, he personally yeah. he honestly might rather not have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hawkins is a very has been, humble guy. And I don't know, you can say, oh, it's a it's an act or whatever, but regardless, he's always been uh, this entire year has been very much so about not being not putting the focus on him and putting it more on the players. When I asked him about playing his dad November eleventh. Uh, he said, "Yeah, I think that game will be special because the Bengals are playing, but like I want to put the focus on the kids and stuff." So, it's it's nice to see a coach that 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 does that. And again, much to his chagrin, maybe that only adds to his um, resume for coach of the year. I'd say. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. There's no. I don't think there's a world. Well, I do think there's a world in which somebody like Montana State's head coach gets coach of the year, or somebody like you know. Uh, you know, Uvi's head coach, but I, I I don't know who else. I don't. I mean, Jason Eck, I believe won it. Yeah, he won it last year. I don't know who else you'd give it to on this list. Um, a lot of these teams, like UC Davis, Weber, maybe even Eastern, possibly Portland State, are so far this season. And I'm not I'm not saying this to talk trash. I'm saying it honestly, kind of falling short of expectations. Um, some of the other teams, like uh, Northern Arizona, despite that one against Montana, Cal Poly, Northern Colorado, are meeting expectations. 
Uh, Sacramento State, I think you could even make the argument so far with the loss against Montana State and then another loss on their record. I think you could make the argument maybe they're falling short of expectations. Um, I don't know who else you would give it to. Montana State's meeting expectations at the top of the conference. Montana is exceeding the expectations that people had for them to not meet expectations, if that makes sense. Because Montana start out, starts out with a, with that close game against Ferris State. Uh, they lose against Northern Arizona. And so everyone's like, oh, the Grizz are bad now. And then they, they beat us, and that gives them enough energy and motivation to beat Idaho. Um, that whopping eight-point win. Yeah, exactly. So Montana's <laughs> kind of like all these teams are where you would expect them, except for Idaho State. So I think right now... At the very least, Hawkins is the front runner for Coach of the Year. But I know we're not here to talk necessarily about awards and, and standings and whatnot. We're we're here to talk some ball. Uh, <laughs> so the Bengals are doing are having a great season so far. Honestly, if if the season ended today, or if the Bengals had to forfeit every game on the rest of the schedule, you'd say this season has been a massive success. Um, because we we already had three wins for the first time in years. We have multiple. Back-to-back wins. We have back-to-back wins for the first time in years. We have a road win for the first time in years. So this team is far and above where we expected them to be under a first-year head coach. So I, I have anything else at this point is just icing on the cake. You know, that combined with the close wins, even if we would have had one or two wins this season, but the players seemed happier and we had a bunch of close losses against, I don't know, teams like, uh, Montana, U of I, especially up at the Kibbe Dome. Um, I think that would have been a successful season. But so far, mm-hmm. this has been yeah. the most successful. I expected to settle for a lot of moral victories this season. And so far, we already have moral victories against San Diego State and Montana. But now we have actual victories, and that's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot better to get a real win than a, than a moral win. Um, so we're doing... Doing fantastic. Like I said, anything else is icing on the cake, which brings us to this week's matchup against number six in or number six in the conference. Uh, I believe number six in the I'm sorry. Sorry. Number six in the country. Number five currently ranked just below us in conference. The Sacramento State Hornets, who sit at five and two overall on the year and two and two in conference. I believe they were the code Big Sky champs last year. Yep. And tell you what, they have some impressive wins this year. Um, So last week they had that big game under the lights against Montana State on ESPN2. They come out swinging. They go up, uh, I think, 6-0 or 7-0 on Montana State. From there, Montana State kind of takes over, uh, and and the Bobcats end up winning it 42-30. So that's... I mean, that's a two-score loss against the Bobcats, but uh, right now the FCS basically is South Dakota State, Montana State, and everybody else. So that's a – I don't know. I can't speak for from a Sacramento State point of view, but I'd say that that's a quality loss for them. How are we feeling about this game, guys? When I'm not – I know we're doing our score predictions, but what do we think? Bengals, um, Bengals need a win here to even consider the playoffs. So yeah. here's the thing. And I know you've painted me as the anti-ISU guy because of my score predictions, which we'll do later in the podcast. Uh, I I think for for any year of Idaho State football, this would be a, a tough game. Um, I think Sacramento State, you can't say enough good things about them. Um, they're obviously a quality program, uh, and Idaho State has not is not historically a quality program. <laughs> So I think even just going off of this season's success, we've had you know a couple of wins. We've had close games against better opponents. Um, but I think this is really the game where we see like where we're at. Uh, because right now we're sitting fourth in the big sky, as you said. Um, we're two and one in a conference, and you know it's i th- I think. I think this is the game where, like you said, it's we prove it. Because early on in the season, we had the loss to UNI. We had the loss to Montana, the close loss to Montana. We got blown out by UNI, but uh, two top 25 teams currently. And um, Yeah, UNI is kind of hanging on the bottom, towards the bottom of the top 25. Hey, but top a top 25, 25 yeah. Uh, either way, good programs. Uh, but right now, that was earlier in the season, kind of – 
pretty early. What was you? You and I was our first, was, home go- yeah, first home was, game, we, second game of the year. It was our third game of the year. Third game, and then when did we play Montana? Fourth game. That was uh, that was the game after North Coast. That was our fifth game. Yeah. So earlier on in the season, you could kind of see our progression get blown out. Then we by a top twenty-five team, but then we go and play a top ten team, and we hang in there. And now we've seen more and more improvement throughout the season, and I think this is where it's a culmination of all that, and we prove it. And if I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if we get blown out, because either way, this season's still a huge victory for us. But um, this is a proving game, for sure. What I expect from this Idaho State team is not a win in this game. What I expect and what I think I'll see and what has been defined as success for this football team is playing to the best of their abilities and making sure that, you know, they may or may not have a chance to win this football game, but they're they're going to put in maximum effort. Um, they're 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 going to be competitive. I think if this game, even if it's a two score game, that's a win for Idaho State. If it's a one score game, that's even better. And if you know the plan to line and Idaho State comes out with a win um, this game, then I think we're winning the uh, FCS championship. Uh, <laughs> moving up to FBS. <laughs> We're moving up to FBS. Not we nice. want Bama. We want James Madison. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I truly believe if we keep this a close competitive game for four quarters, that will be more of a win and a more of a, a testament to the trajectory of this football program um, than, you know, a lot of the games we've played on our schedule so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um I watched the Sac State game last week against Montana State. Uh, I don't want to glaze them, but they look like a, a really good team. They did lose to Montana State by two scores, but then again, Montana State basically is an F- FCS, F- FBS team. So I don't know. I feel like it's a close game. Like Brennan, I I feel like it is a good game to be close with. You know, like Brennan said, this is like the type of team that we want to play to prove ourselves to be a competitor. Um, and if we can keep it close, I'll be happy. Yeah, I know we um, off the podcast uh, this week. We've t- we've already talked a lot about um, you know we've we've gone into the FCS rankings. We looked at them. We saw which schools were receiving votes. Eastern Washington had seven votes. Weber State had six votes. The fact of the matter is, even though those teams we might be better than uh, or those teams we might have beaten are still gonna kind of get that benefit of the doubt over ISU. I said this on Twitter. And um, so, like I said, some people, uh, Brent Wahlberg of the Grizz Fan Podcast said that ISU needs to win out and then they'll make the playoffs at uh, seven and seven and four. Mm-hmm. So I think a six and five IS, uh, I think a six and five team can make the playoffs. I doubt a six and five Idaho State team can make the playoffs because all these yeah. things, rankings, playoffs, receiving votes, all of these things are decided based on history, based on the past successes of the program. Someone's going to look at uh, an ISU team, uh, even right now, someone's going to look at ISU um, standing at number four in the big sky and think three and one in the big sky, three and four overall, they're having a good year, but again, they're Idaho State, so I don't have a lot of confidence in them. I think even as Idaho State fans, we talk about looking up scores against Portland State and holding their breath because we expect the worst. We talk about face playing against PSU. We talk about those things because we don't even have necessarily that much confidence built up in this team yet. And we're like the biggest ISU supporters you can think of. I We really want to believe. We really exactly. want we to do, believe. But, but there's a part of us that have there's just, seen this program win two games in the last two seasons. And that part of us says Idaho State is going to get rocked. Exactly. Um, we have we want to believe, but there's so there's the history there, and that's what people that determine things like playoffs and seedings and standings and stuff are going to look at. So if if ISU goes on a run here to wrap up the season and we're in contention for a Big Sky championship, this is again best case scenario. Everything goes well. If ISU goes on a run, contention for a Big Sky, six and five ranked, maybe make the playoffs and stuff. It's possible, but we have to prove it. And this is the game right now. If you're Idaho State, this is why I said it's the biggest game in, in at least five years. is because it, it matters. It means something. Um, we're, we're, we're on a two-game win streak. We go 3-1 and one in conference. This game against number 6 Sacramento State, we're not going to be favored in it. We're not going to 
We're, we're, the point spread is not going to favor ISU in any way, shape, or form. But we all here believe that we've at least got a shot at this thing, however far-fetched that may seem. And if we do pull this thing off, I think people are going to look at ISU legitimately. I told this to Gage in a very long text rant the other night. Very long. I said, very hot take, uh, there's no reason to doubt the Bengals going up against Sac State. And that's a, that's a, I know that's a hot take, um, but... So far in the Big Sky, we're three and one. We had those. Our out of conference record was tough, but we're three and one right now. And that one loss in the Big Sky was that close game against Montana at Montana. Um, so this team knows what they can do. There's a lot more confidence here. And I told Gage this. I said, beating Sacramento State this weekend turns this from a rebuilding year with Cody Hawkins to a championship contention year, which again is crazy to say. But the line between Failure and success in the Big Sky and the FCS or or competing and not competing in the FCS, I think it's a lot thinner than in the FBS. Yep. We, I mean, we saw that with Idaho. Exactly. Um, they they had a three-win improvement with Coach Ack Coach made the playoffs, and that was after, you know, seasons before that, getting their doors blown off by Idaho State and not being a good program. Um, and it wasn't you know, getting years of good recruiting or it wasn't, you know, getting boosters to donate more money to the program. It wasn't stadium renovations. It was simply having the right people in the right positions. Um, and I think we have the right people. Uh, I think we have the talent. Uh, I, it's a matter of it all coming together. And I, like you said, I don't think there's a reason to doubt ISU. Now, that's not saying I'm predicting a win. That's just being real and saying, hey, there's no reason to believe Idaho State won't play a good football game against Sac State. We have no evidence to the contrary. We have no evidence that would say, hey, Idaho State is going to struggle. Idaho State won't be able to put up points. We haven't seen that at all this year. We had one bad game against an FCS opponent, and that was you and I. And that was, I mean. It was the first, first FCS opponent of the year. First, not, first yeah. real football game for this team, uh, because I don't consider getting blown out by FBS opponent. But well, yeah. no, getting blown out by one FBS opponent. <laughs> um, we still scored twenty eight I mean, in that game. We, games, we scored twenty out. We played well offensively in both of those games. Uh, we we had some good moments in that U and I game, and that's the only that's the only thing you can point to and say, hey, Idaho State struggled in this game, and we did. But that was weeks ago at this point, and the team now is not the team then. Yeah, Brendan, you said last week if we played you and I again, wouldn't go down like that. I honestly think we'd win. I genuinely think we'd have a good shot of winning that game. I don't think it would be the 40-17 game or whatever it was. Well, right now, uh, I know it's just rankings and numbers and stuff like that, but Montana is ranked top five in the coaches' poll, and Sacramento State is ranked below. Now that's just a poll. But— Either way, it shows that the they have a lot of faith in Montana and what they've done this season. And we stood toe-to-toe with them. There is, we stood toe-to-toe with them. And at the end of the game, there was an interception that happened that kind of sold the game for us. But it at that point, uh, like you said, like they realized it was their own mistake. And they came in. They were mad in the press conference afterward. And they said, we should have won that game. We There was no reason for us not to win that game. And um, I think that shows at least what Cody Hawkins, I know I'm circling back a little bit, but what Cody Hawkins has done to this team. Uh, I, I know I said it last week again, Hunter Hayes. He, come, he comes in and he says, you know, they're on the sideline, no matter who we're playing, there's no feeling on the sideline of, dang, we lost. Oh, what can we do now? Like, you know, and I think there was a sentiment after that Montana game, and I and I don't remember if you said this, McLean, or if this is exactly how you said it, but you said something like, "If we played that game ten times, um, I couldn't tell you how many times we'd win that game." I honestly think if we played that Montana game ten more times, we would play better than we did, nine out of ten times. And I I I honestly believe that because we made mistakes in that game, we shot ourselves in the foot at a couple of points, uh, we missed a couple of kicks, we left points on the board. I think if we play that game again 10 times, we play better for some of those, and we come out with a win in some of those. And and right now, uh, people are 
People are saying Montana's a better program than Sac State right now. They're ranked higher than them. And we went and we made it a one-score game against Montana. So, again, temper expectations. You know, Idaho State aren't the world beaters yet that they could be right now just because we've won three games. <laughs> but with that being said, I think we have more of a shot against Sac State than I think a lot of people would give us credit for. Uh, I think we're a better team than what the top 25 receiving votes may indicate. I think we're a better team um, than a lot of the teams in the big sky right now. And we are, we're definitely deserving of a top four ranking in the big sky. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that me for a second. I was like, Maybe a little um, nervous there. I was like, oh, I think, I think, we, I think when, you, when you look at our conference play, we have played better than over half of the big sky. Like three and one. One close loss to a top five Montana. I think that's. Yeah, we're one touchdown away from being right up there with Montana State tied for first. And Actually, you know what? I don't know two what. Two touchdowns it, away from being a five and two team. I don't know what. I don't know what's going on because when we started the podcast, I was like, oh man, we're going to get crushed by Sac State. Maybe it's just getting the energy <laughs> flowing, talking about Idaho State. I think we're going to beat South Dakota State in the championship, man. <laughs> the Jackrabbits are going down. You know, I actually, as we're talking about this, I do think that we have a better chance against Sac State than we think. You know, Sac State was not able to compete against Idaho. Uh, that is one of their losses on the list. Montana beat them. Well, and that, that I know Idaho that's just game. like a comparing game and whatnot, but I genuinely think that if we were able to compete with Montana – before they beat Idaho, and we're only improving from here that we do definitely have a shot against a top mm-hmm. six team. Yeah. On any given Saturday, any team is capable of winning. It's college football. Anything can happen. You know, when those lights come on and especially and the dome. It's been a weird year in the big sky. Anything it's can been happen. A one year, it's been a weird year, but it's not like it's not, I don't know, man. Know who's ranked? What kind of voodoo is this? <laughs> what, what's going on? I don't <laughs> well, before we really get into it, I did want to. I did want to say before we preview Sac State, um, kind of to like, your point, Gage. We're we not just previewing. Sac we State we State? are, but before we, we dive deeper into into the numbers and into the schedules and stuff, I want to say. Um, I remember this being – I don't remember if the they said it or if it was said about them, but the Patriots back in the day when Tom Brady was on the Patriots and they were winning the Super Bowl every year, what would happen is they would lose a game or two in September. Everyone would say this team's done, the Patriots dynasty is over. Then obviously they'd get better and go win the Super Bowl. And what they would say is that you always want to play your best football in October and November. That's when it matters most. And right now the Bengals have improved almost like – They've improved almost every week from the last week, uh, maybe besides week one and week two. But since week two, this team has improved every week, and I think we're playing our best football right now. And that's really all you can ask of this team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to beat Sac State, but we've been improving. We're obviously not the team we were last year, but I don't think we were, we're the team we were week two either. So the team has just gotten a lot better. There's that confidence, like you said, Brendan. They believe, hey, at the very least, we can go into Sac State and – Maybe pull this thing off, but we know we're going to give them a run for their yeah. money. And I think uh, we also have a little bit of swagger, too. You see that uniform combo against uh, PSU? Those, hey, Crazy. orange hats on the orange uh, orange pants, white jerseys, those look clean as hell. Bengal uniforms have not looked this good since maybe their 81 championship. I, I've been very impressed with the equipment staff. The, the Stormtrooper look was incredible. Yeah. I also like uh, they're posting more content on their Twitter and stuff, uh-huh. too. A lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. That's Idaho really State cool. EQ is having themselves a year. That's kind a of reflecting, Kind of reflecting is... the entire program. So we look at Sac State's schedule here. They're 5-2, and two, sitting at 2-2 two and two in conference. Um, and so, of course, we're ranked a little bit above them. In conference, stats don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you are your you are your uh, you are your record, you know. Uh, so week one, they go down to Thibodeau, Louisiana, and play Nickel State and win thirty eight to twenty four. They play Texas A and M Commerce in Sacramento and win that one thirty four six. Then they go they go down on the farm and play Stanford and beat Stanford thirty to twenty three. Uh, and and Stanford doesn't not even having their strongest year. Um, they didn't have that that win really against, bad year for Stanford. Other than maybe that win against Coach Prime down there in Colorado, um, but Sac State's looking good through the first three weeks. Then they have that game against Idaho. That was a big game uh, against two of the top teams in the Big Sky, two of the top teams in the FCS at that point, um, and they're still ranked number six and seven in the. They did not change the after that loss. They went from four to four. 
yeah, uh, this this was just uh, this was a good game. I think everyone in the Big Sky kept an eye on it. Kind of a weird ending because I think Idaho goes up by a field goal with a couple seconds left, and then they kick off. Sac State fumbles, and so they return for a touchdown. So it's 36-27 is the final score. It was a little bit closer than the final score says. Um, so then they have another, again, weird year up and down for Northern Arizona. They beat Northern Arizona 31-30. to um, And then another weird game, they beat Northern Colorado 21-13. Um, that one wasn't quite as close as the score indicates. Uh, well, they were up 21-10. to and then Northern Colorado kicks a field goal in the fourth quarter, and so it's 21-13. So definitely not a, a blowout in that one. But th- then this last game against Montana State, is uh, they start out, like I, like I mentioned, they start out 7-0. They get a pick six. Um, so Montana State runs that back for a touchdown. And then Montana State scores again on a 21-yard pass and an 11-yard run. And so Montana State goes up 21-7. Um, Hornets battle back a little bit, make it 21-17, and then Montana from there kind of goes into cruise control a little bit. Uh, eventually, it's 28-24. Montana State scores a couple times to make a 42-30. And a 12-point loss to the number two team in the nation, to the Bobcats, definitely not something to be ashamed of, but certainly not the way Sacramento State wanted that game to go, especially on ESPN2 under the lights. Uh, they had post-game fireworks for that game, and Look, everyone— Looks like they're having post-game fireworks for every game. Yeah. Home uh, game. For, oh, yeah. So how good like would it. it feel for ISU to well, get the upset and then <laughs> the fireworks. celebrate well, that's, with fireworks? That's what happened last last week. Someone said on Twitter, how did Montana State get fireworks when they're the road team? <laughs> so maybe playing those fireworks shows out a little bit better only for when you win. You win. I don't know, but that would that would be awesome. Idaho State wins yeah. and get some fireworks. You know, it's a— it's a Two score loss, or what was the final score of that game? That was uh, 42-30. So that's 42-30, 12, 12 point loss. I think when you look where Montana State's going to be finishing this year, I don't think that's uh, a game to really be ashamed of, per se. Well, Montana State almost beat South Dakota State to open the season, and a lot of people are picking MSU to win the national championship, if not for the Jackrabbits. Yeah, so I don't... I don't necessarily think that that final score reflects, you know, just how good Sac State really is, or maybe it does. I mean, uh, having a close competitive game with Montana State, even if it is, you know, a two touchdown swing, um, I, I I think speaks to a, a quality program. Um, and watching that game, uh, Sacramento State did not struggle to move the ball. They they, they were they were schmoving. Uh, Seven of those 12 points came from a pick six. Uh, it was a defensive turnover, and it was a defensive play. Yeah, so— it, it was it was not, like, it was a mistake they made, but it was not <clears throat> a lack of defense or a lack of offense that really lost them the game. Yeah, so for Montana State, putting up that 42 points on the Hornets feels good. But I, I think you do bring up a point that, I mean, Sac State was hanging in with them for most of this game until— the Bobcats pull away late, and so it doesn't look quite as close as it wants. Maybe not quite the dramatic finish ESPN2 wanted from Big Sky after dark, but certainly still a good game for most of it. I don't know if you're a Hornets fan if you think that was a good game, but one of the things that was brought up after the Montana game, though, was that with Montana coming off a loss that week uh, to Northern Arizona playing against Idaho State, uh, Hawkins said that he wished uh, Montana State Montana had won. Uh, so Bobby Hawk wouldn't be on a tear in practice all week getting his players up. So I, I do, and I, I've that's something that that's brought up a lot. I wonder how much like the psychology of a win and a loss sort of affects a team. Is Sacramento State going to be playing harder because they just lost last week, or conversely, is Sacramento State going to be giving up on the season because they think the the Big Sky Championship's out of the reach? I don't think they're giving up on the season. I don't think they give up on the season. Yeah, I, I think. But it'd be really cool if they did. <laughs> if, they, if they let us have this one, yeah. I, we need, we I need don't, more. Personally, I don't think they're going to look at this loss and be too disappointed. Uh, Montana State looks scary good. I think they could go in and beat mm, a lot of FBS teams at the moment. Um, and like they said, like uh, I just said, it, they really only lost because of a couple mistakes they made. It wasn't yeah. lack of offense or lack of defense. Uh, that's just discipline work. And um, them coming off that loss, I don't know if they react swing one way or the other too drastically. I think they kind of mm-hmm. stay level-headed. Yeah. And um, 
I think that I don't think it poses any greater challenge uh, to Idaho State because of that loss. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on there. Uh, and obviously the good programs are always able to keep level head and not let like a loss get to them. Like Montana State loses to South Dakota State, but they're still at the top of the standings right now. Caden Bennett throws that interception. Uh, he ends up throwing two interceptions. Uh, one of the one of those is that pick six on the day against the Bobcats. He goes 26 for 42, 234 yards and a touchdown. On the ground, though, uh, Elijah Taya Tolliver has 100 yards, two touchdowns. Ezra Molini has 41 yards. Uh, Caden Bennett himself runs for 26 yards. And uh, so Sac State runs this very kind of spread offense that I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a running offense, but they're definitely not afraid to run the ball. They had 211 total running yards compared to the 234 yards through the air. And that, that kind of matches um, a little bit Montana State's. Montana State uh, has this absolute powerhouse running scheme that has, like you guys know, has been tearing apart the big sky for the last couple seasons. They had 345 yards on the ground, uh, split between their running quarterback, Tommy Millette, and uh, Julius Davis, Sean Chambers, uh, Jared Jared White, all these guys are able to to get good yardage, and they they have have long long averages too. Um, so again, the it, it was forty two points put up by by Montana State, but I think Sacramento State, all things considered, did a decent job at at holding their own with Montana State's offense. Yeah, they. Uh... They were, if I'm not mistaken, they are the number one of the best defenses in the Sacramento State in the league. I do remember the announcers were saying something about. There was a stat about Montana having like the third best running or maybe the best rushing offense and then Sacramento State having the third best uh, rushing defense. Oh, okay, yeah. So, So, well, the good news is, um, so Sacramento has that good rushing defense. Which, again, they weren't able to stop Montana on the run, but they were able to at least slow him down a little bit. Like Sisyphus, is it Sisyphus? Rolling the rock up the uh, the side of the hill. He doesn't yeah. doesn't complete the job. But Always he, rolls back down. Yeah. Um, so the good news is Sacramento State with their rushing defense, we don't do that. We don't no, rush yeah. the we ball. Don't, we don't have a conventional running offense. Yes. And I think... It's a lot harder to defend a quarterback who can run than a team who can run. Well, my my uh, I was I was watching that game and I heard something. Maybe it was pregame, but someone mentioned concerns about Sacramento State being able to stop a running quarterback, and my ears sort of perked up a little. I was like, "Oh, oh, really? They can't stop a running quarterback?" You say, and I'm like, "Because we have one of those." Yeah, we have a very good one of those actually, um, and I think uh, ultimately. Um, like the games we've played so far this season, it's going to be a game won by our offense if we do win. Um, I think a lot's going to rest on the shoulders of uh, Jordan Cook and Hunter Hayes once again, and maybe Hunter Hayes a little bit more uh, just to exploit a weakness that we see on the opposing defense. Um, but again, I think that these uh, these two incredible uh, athletes are, are going to be up to the challenge. I think that they haven't backed down yet, and I don't think this is the time they're going to do it. So one thing I do want to say, because you mentioned uh, it's going to be up to the offense to kind of win this thing, and I think we're all kind of thinking along the same lines that this is going to be another offensive game. This I think we're going to see a lot of points in this game. One thing I do want to say, though, is that Idaho State's defense statistically can improve. I don't think they've been bad this year. They don't necessarily do a great job of stopping the opposing team on every drive or whatever. They allow some points. They allow some yardage. But the defense steps up, and they make plays when they need to. Absolutely. You can't have a a 41-14 a point comeback without the defense being able well, to stop absolutely. them. Absolutely. I remember that. Uh, what was it? They were, during the Eastern Washington game, it was 38 to uh, 38 at that. They had uh, Eastern Washington had 30 points at that point. And we, I think we turn over the ball. Or or we get a three and out or something along those lines, and we give the ball back to Eastern Washington, and it was very close to our own uh, our Eastern Washington's touchdown, and they were able to drive the ball another twenty yards, and our defense made stop, made a stop, and yeah. left them with a field goal, 
which ended up getting us to win that game. Statistically, the defense isn't going to pop up towards the top of the rankings, but they've made plays all year round. They they had a couple turnovers against San Diego State. Um, against Northern Colorado, you have that uh, Josh Alford running down that guy and punching out the ball. Uh, against Eastern Washington, like, like we were just saying, you got to stop them on that comeback. But then on that last drive, they don't let Eastern score a touchdown, and they, that leads to the missed field goal. Then against Montana, uh, they allow Montana Grizzlies seven points for the first half. Um, yeah. and, and obviously that game doesn't go the way we want it to, but the defense does their job and keep, keeps it close. Yeah, and I, I, the style of offense we have, it, it means you ask a lot of the defense. Uh, because we score quickly, uh, we score fast uh, and often, um, we, our time of possession is skewed um, to the point where opposing teams are going ha- to possess the ball for longer amounts of time than us. Our defense is going to be on the field more. And so I think that, you know, we already substitute a lot. We rotate a lot of players in and out. Um, but I think that the philosophy for this defense is generate those big plays. Uh, try to get turnovers when you can. Uh, but just be the model that Ben don't break style where, you know, between the between the 20s, uh, from their 20 to our 20, um, maybe you're not the stiffest defense, but really, really be a good red zone defense. Yeah, I think we saw one play in a couple plays against Portland State where one guy, one Bingle tackles the guy carrying the ball and the others kind of try to work to get the ball, yeah. break the well, ball out of their arms. And they, and they made an interception, clutch interception in the yeah. in the uh end zone against Portland State to basically shut down the any idea of a comeback. Yeah, it was it was a couple minutes left at that point, so it wasn't necessarily the most Dramatic. You thought maybe uh, they might score here, but we've got a good shot here at winning anyway. But yeah, they step up and make that play, and we win the turnover battle finally. And and I think that's another reason why we run the the defense how we do, because when you have more defensive backs, when you have three safeties on the field at one time, um, you give yourself the ability to be around the ball more and have more players around the ball. So when they do make a mistake, you're right there to try to capitalize off of it. And that doesn't always necessarily happen. But on those t- those times when we do get turnovers or a turnover on downs, um, our ability to generate points off of that, to go up and have a two-touchdown swing like we did multiple times against Portland State, um, you know, we, we got a stop, and then, boom, we're up 14. And, you know, they tie it back up, and then, boom, we're up 14 again. Um, I think that's, that's the defensive fo- philosophy. We may not necessarily have the personnel to stack up against every big sky offense, but we certainly can put ourselves, put our guys in a position to make plays on the football, um, and to generate, you know, the occasional stop on defense that we then can turn into, you know, a 14-point swing or a seven-point swing, where all of a sudden the game's closer, or we take the lead, or we're now up two possessions. So we're we're playing a style of football where it's less about possessing the football and how many time than it is how many times we possess the football. And um, I think that actually leads well against this Sacramento State football team. Uh, their offense is prone to making big plays. They got wide, they got have really good wide receivers that can get open uh, multiple times during the Montana State game. I noticed that they were still getting open even against Montana State's offense. And uh, the um, they that that uh, bodes well. For Idaho State, as you know, our our run defense was more stout against Portland State, and uh, our our off our pass defense also boded really well against Portland State, and um, I think that gives us at least an opportunity to make create one or two of those turnovers, like you said, where it's less about time of possession and more about how many possessions we can get. And I do think that our offense is going to be looking a little bit more efficient. Uh, just looking at the Sacramento mm-hmm. State stats at this last game against Montana State, uh, they only had one broken up pass the entire game. I don't know if that counts as the interception they had, or if they just have two plays a broken up pass, broken up pass and an interception. But with how many times we pass this ball, I think we can get down the field really, really fast. Yeah, and I and once again, like we're really challenging teams, and what we did against Portland State, we're challenging teams to keep up with us. Um, and I think that's what Cody Hawkins envisioned for this team 
when he saw, hey, these guys play in a dome. They play in good weather most of the year against in, in away games. They play games against California teams. There's not going to be much weather, not going to be much snow or, or rain. And so we can run this style of offense where we are forcing them by design to have as powerful and as explosive an, as an offense that uh, that we do. And a lot of these big sky teams, they are just not built for it. Teams like Montana, Montana State, um, you know, they're more built to have those long, drawn-out possessions. And Montana State, with that power running scheme, it is not made to score, you know, 40 points a game. But, you know, sometimes they do. Sac State, I think, I, I believe they were averaging close to 40, uh, you know. and I believe they're averaging 30 points a game. 30 points a game? Which okay, is well, what we're averaging. Yeah. Actually, yeah. So, so, and and that's and that's with you know you had some duds against you uh, and I and Utah mm-hmm. State, but for the most part, we're getting that we're getting to that thirty point mark or that thirty five point mark, which is crazy where we compared to where we were at last exactly. year on offense. And I think again, number one passing offense in the FCS. I think this has the biggest potential to be a trap game for Sac State, or maybe not a trap game, but just a straight up. Difficult game for them. The way we're talking about, maybe it's a trap game for us. (laughs) (laughs) And again, you know, you you have two wins in a row. You haven't seen that since um, how many years, McLean? Since 2018 was our last back-to-back wins. So we haven't had back-to-back wins against 2018. We don't know what to do with our hands. (laughs) We don't know what we're. We don't know how to react or feel (laughs) other than just, um, you know, just enthusiasm and uh, and hope. And you know, maybe I'm huffing on hopium right now. Uh, maybe maybe Sac State's going to go out there and put up uh, 50 on us, I, but I doubt it. I think that, you know, Cody Hawkins being the coach he is, uh, I think he's going to keep us level-headed coming into this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what good coaches do. Uh, after a win, after a loss, you, you want to stay flat. You don't want to deviate from the mean too much because when you do, that's when you get complacent and you go in and then you're Michigan dropping it dropping a game to App State. Uh, But point being is uh, I think that Sacramento State is going to be the same. They're a top 10 program. Uh, They have a good coach. They're going to be level-headed. And I think it's really going to come down to the mentality of Idaho State uh, for this game and how they perform. uh, Coming off two wins, uh, I know it can be easy to get complacent, especially with how – uh, good we've done this year compared to the years past. Looking at it, you see that we have two wins. And uh, they might already write this off as a victory for them. Not mm-hmm. not against Sacramento State, but this year. And if you do that, you end up in this place of complacency. I, I think this season has already been a massive success. But you can see it in the players in their interviews, like the one after the Montana game. This team knows that they can compete, and they want to win. And, you know, Cody Hawkins has done an incredible job at making these players, forcing these players to have fun. They they truly, the energy about in this of this football team is infectious to the point now that I'm having fun just talking about them. Um, but I think this is a team that is always going to be an upbeat, positive team, regardless of what the final score is. I mean, we were down however many points we left, however many points against Utah State, and we still came out and and played football in that second half. Um, you know, we had a tough loss against you and I, and we came out and we had hustle plays. We had the ultimate hustle play. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to be a matter of not having enough effort or being lackadaisical or resting on our laurels. That is not what was what's going to beat us. The only thing that can beat us um, is – an FBS football team and ourselves. <laughs> so uh, this is Sacramento State's homecoming game. I don't know how much that'll play into things. Uh, I don't think that they. I don't think if they had to do it over again, they would schedule us as the homecoming yeah. opponent. Um, but I don't think. No offense to Sacramento State. I don't think this environment's going to be as tough to play in as Montana, as Washington Grizz. I think that's everyone kind of knows that. Uh, you can see that kind of watching the game last week. Even a big game like that. The atmosphere was no nowhere close to to the game against in Washington Grizz. I think if and Hawkins has preached this to his players, don't pay attention to the logo because if you look at the logo, you're already going to lose. You have to stay level headed, like you said, Brendan. 
and be willing and ready to compete against whatever team comes your way. So I think the best chance for ISU, put up a bunch of points on offense, get steal a possession or two on defense, and uh, let Hunter Hayes, let, let's see how much they can defend against a running quarterback. I think we're going to see a good amount of Hayes in this game. Yeah, what are the odds Cody Hawkins comes out with his players, you know, uh, the Friday before the game with a big old measuring tape and says 52 yards by 120 yards. Just like the one back in Indiana, boys. I think he's a zero. I'm going to say zero. Um, so, again, it cannot be overstated how big of a game this is for Idaho State right now. Um, unless there's anything else you guys want to mention about Sac State, um, I think we're ready to move on to score predictions and wrap this thing up. Not a state. Sacramento is not a state. I did not know that. Is that... Source? Can we confirm that? Can we get a source on that? I'm looking it up um, right now. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, and Sacramento is the capital of California, not a state. Oh, Ooh. tough. Embarrassing. Looks tough like track. somebody didn't get into UC. And Idaho, are they, is Idaho a state or? Idaho, I'm I'm looking right now. The capital of Idaho is Boise. Idaho, Idaho is a state. state. Okay, good, good, wow. good. Glad we got that out of the way. Okay. <laughs> so last week we let Brendan and Franklin uh, do their score predictions Last, I think? First. first, because you guys were guests, so, so I guess now you're doing them last. Um, so I guess I'll go first. I kind of flip-flopped around a little bit. I said, I at first, I wanted to give us something. I wanted to give a little bit of to positive energy out there. I wanted to kind of err on the side of Idaho State and say this was going to be an upset. We're going to win. Then I said, you know what? We're going to play tough. It's going to be a good game, but I don't think we're going to pull it off. Now I'm fl- flipping back and forth. I got Idaho State winning this thing, guys. I'm not going to... I'm not going to... I I don't know I, I I mean in the game against Eastern Gage and I both picked Eastern to win and they ended up losing so I don't know how you guys are gonna pick on this this might be some cold takes that we have here but I got Idaho State winning this thing forty one thirty eight absolute dogfight right up to the last second um, it's gonna be a competitive game all the way through it's gonna be a high scoring game there's not gonna be a lot of defense here just because I think I have really good faith in both offenses I do think the defenses can step up. I think we might see a little bit of slop with a with a turnover or two on both sides, but I I, I think if there's if there's a way for ISU to win this game, it's going to be scoring a lot of points. It's going to be Hunter Hayes is going to run the ball. Uh, Sac State's going to have flashbacks, PTSD from the Montana State game, and I think we're gonna we're gonna win it. Yeah, I I know I said a lot of great things about Idaho State just now, but being the ultimate realist that I am about this team. I still think we are a rebuilding team. Uh, this is ultimately a tough test on the road. I think we play a tough competitive football game. We score a lot of points. I'm going to give a 35-31 edge to Sac State. Okay, I was a little Ooh. bit worried. I was a little bit worried there, but now that Gage picked Sac State to win, I know we've got this one in the bag. <laughs> hey, I if I pick for Idaho State, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if a vortex opens up in the middle field or not. I just know when I pick them to lose, they win. All right, so... <laughs> Well, um, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, I honestly thought that we are just didn't have a chance against Sacramento State, but now through talking, conversing we've, about it, we've talked ourselves into it. Let's go! I really sold ourselves. To that point, just like looking at the stats, you know, realizing what kind of team Sacramento State is, I truly believe that if we play the game like we played last week and consistently improve like we've been doing all season no turnovers or anything i i i think that idaho idaho state does have this game um i think it'll be high scoring again you know sacramento state uh averages 30 points per game uh lets our opponents average 24 but then isu also averages 30 points per game and they just can't match our passing offense with their rushing defense so i think it's gonna be 30 or 42 38 I'll go with that. For ISU winning? Yes. Oof. Mm-hmm. Man. So, so uh, I have had mixed feelings all week about this. Last week, uh, I made my prediction that, uh, not on here, but to Frank, and I may have said it to McLean, that Idaho State will go uh, win out except for one game. That one game was Sacramento State. Uh, I thought we'd go beat... Uh, U of I up at the Kibbe Dome. Bold. Bold. Not bold. But, <laughs> but easy, easy game. I th- that was my prediction, and I'm going to stick to it. I'm thinking that Sacramento State's going to just eke us out in the end. I think it's going to be a you know, 28-35 loss for 
Idaho State. 28-35 loss. Wow. We, think, uh, we're split. You think like Tobes at the clubs is thinking seeing three and four Idaho State picking themselves to go out and beat the number six team in the country? <laughs> well, you think I, they're thinking of us? I, hey, I and, think, and you know what? I don't care what they're thinking. I of think us. there's a decent contingent of Idaho fans that actually do. At the very, they might not root for us on a weekly basis, but at the very least, they like seeing Idaho State maybe be a little competitive. Uh, Duffer's Tavern, which I think is it's either it's somewhere it's a Vandal bar, but it's somewhere around Moscow. I don't know if it's in Moscow or if it's in. Lewiston or Pullman, but they turned the they uh, posted on Twitter. They turned the Idaho State game on to watch it, nice. uh, because Idaho had a bye week last week. So I think a lot of Vandal fans end up tuning into ISU. It's, um, it's an in-state thing. Whack Sparty Pants, uh, popular guy on not popular, but he's a uh, uh, well, he has a following, whatever. I don't know, but he's he's a Vandal fan on Twitter. Uh, interact with them sometimes about King Spud. Big King Spud proponent, that guy. Big fan of Great. him. Um, but he, he, he tweeted they don't out, have it anymore. No, they do not. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he tweeted out in the middle of the Eastern Washington game, what's happening in Pocatello? I thought ISU was supposed to be good. <laughs> so it turns out we are good. But yeah, I, I do think Vandal fans, uh, they might not want to admit it, but they at least keep an eye on ISU. Yeah. No, uh, as somebody who's been from Boise, I've always kept an eye on Idaho football. Just uh, It's fun to see Idaho do good. So... Well, hopefully Boise will start pulling their weight. You know what I mean? Really letting the state of Idaho wow. down. Right Are we now. gonna just dig at Boise State? Every- I think so. I think so. I, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to radicalize Brendan and Franklin. <laughs> I have a loss. <laughs> and here's the thing: is I actually I really like Boise State. Always always enjoyed their program from afar. Um, why do I have to? Why do I have to say this every week? This isn't a Boise State. I know. No. No. However, no, no. I'm going to the we BSU all know game we, wearing Idaho State merch. We all know so. where the best football team in Idaho plays their games, and that's and it's not arena. Albertson Stadium. It's not the Kibbe Dome. Oh yeah, it's the ASISU Mini Dome. Oh, boy. It's not, it's not. Where do? Where does College Saturday, Idaho Saturday, play? Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Uh, Simplot Stadium. Simplot Stadium. Simplot Stadium. Oh, I was gonna say probably some like public. Like Park in Nampa, Idaho, or something. No, I don't. Like <laughs> I don't college of Idaho is actually cooking right. Could you imagine so. a college playing football in like a Parks and Rec stadium? That, that would be weird. Campus? Dude, neutral site, you know. Like hey, a, hey, what okay. is it like a women's don't soccer even stadium? Don't have locker rooms to celebrate after a big win. This is what right happens. This is what happens when you give ISU three wins, dude. We, are we start. We, we start. Sm- we start smack, smack talking, talking so bad. We have no business smack talking. Like how we're going to go run Sac State. Exactly. (laughs) We're going to go show up them Sacramento boys. Well, I think that's that's about all we have this week. I think the only thing to say now is uh, go Bengals. Go Bengals. Hey, Hey, roar Bengals, you know. grab a Bengal and tell them you love them. What was the thing? Um, I, I can't out him like that. Where is All Weber right. State? Weber State is in Ogden, in where, Utah. Oh, so Utah is the state, not Weber? Yeah, Weber, actually, I don't know it's if you It's not this. even the city. You, Weber, not a state. Not so a what city. is a Weber, anyway? It's the county. <laughs> Weber? I hardly know her, bro. What are you talking about? Portland, we Sacramento, Burr? and Weber are all not states. I'm not Burr. I wouldn't say we're collectively Burr. 